What's up, Underdog Nation? Coming up on today's show, our guest, Ryan Kelly, talks a little bit about football and a lot more about resilience, character, and the three keys to reaching the highest level of success. You don't want to miss this one. Probably one of the, the most elite athletes I think that we've had on this podcast. No, he is the best. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll solve that right then and there. Uh, and, and and I think to, to kick that off, a little backstory, one of the loop you in on so 2009 or so uh, I was coaching a small D2 college in Indiana and I came back to Cincinnati to recruit and um, ultimately you know I didn't recruit you man Uh, I didn't recruit you or you or Jordan Hicks Uh, you know for whatever reason I passed on you guys didn't that's why he's not in coaching (laughs) Uh, you went to Alabama one went to Texas you know and, and what's crazy is we got back I remember we took the film back and we turned it over the coaches and um, I don't know who we were looking at, but the first thing that stood out was Jordan Hicks. And my D line coach was like, who is that? And I was like, I don't know. Like, let's look him up. And then we saw like all the offers and everything. And I was like, well, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just keep it moving. <laughs> we can't touch those guys. So, but yeah. great. It's funny. It was just a small world, man. Yeah. He's, Ryan, he's texting me last night and I'm like, he's like, yeah, I didn't offer these two guys, and I'm like doing all the film work on you, and I'm like, okay, he's got basically every award in college, and you know, three year starter, two national championships, been in the Colts, he's balling out, and why? Well, that's why he's not in coaching. I, I missed the boat. So <laughs> anyway, we won't. We won't. That's a tough business, man. Yeah, we won't. No di- doubt, we won't digress into his uh, lack of coaching skills. But one thing that we did want to start off, and uh, we can't wait to get into your story. Um, but something that really stuck out to me in watching everything was uh, something that Nick Saban had said, I uh, watched on a video. So I can't think of anyone else who you'd want to come to your organization or community or who has better character than Ryan Kelly. Can you kind of talk through uh, that statement that Nick Saban had said and about your character and, and, and the man you are today? You know, I think uh, you know, it's obviously high praise coming from him. I think that was actually the draft night when they were interviewing him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I don't know if a lot of people thought it was going to go in the first round or not. We you know we just had a really stacked team on both sides in 2015. But you know, um, I guess I can bring it back to my childhood. You know, my father, like I said before, was uh, you know a, a police officer my whole life. So I grew up in a house of discipline. You know, and it wasn't so much, um, you know, it wasn't so much choosing, um, you know, right or wrong. It was just you know leading by example. And I watched him every single day go to work, and you know the uh, you know, the moral compass that he carried with him every single day. And uh, that's, that's obviously something that I took with me as I got older. And so, you know, hearing those words from Nick Saban, I didn't, I can't say that I did anything spectacular to earn those words. I just, I fell into the man that I wanted to be, you know, watching my father and then growing up in college, you know, watching Nick Saban work every single day and being in that program and engulfed in it 365 days a year. I think you truly, you know, you you get there. I was got there at 17. When I left at 23, I was a totally different person than when I got there. And so those, you know, five years, formidable years, you know, really shaped who I am today. And um, I think that's ultimately, you know, you see a lot of guys, there's a lot of hype behind the combine, you know, what are you going to run? What are you going to jump? What are you going to bench press? But the one thing that I tell people all the time is it's, if they're going to spend millions of dollars on you, it's what kind of characters this guy have. You know, you can have 25 guys in a locker room pushing a positive agenda if you have one negative guy in there you would not believe how quickly the the ship will turn you know and so I think that it just you know in all all aspects of your life you know what kind of character you have is going to develop um you know through your trials and tribulations and obviously that's why I'm on the podcast talk about some of the things that I went through and being an underdog at some point in my life sure and uh you know those that don't know Ryan uh born and raised in Cincinnati um Westchester area and as you mentioned, the discipline and the consistency of the foundation of your family. Can you kind of talk a little bit about a little bit more in depth about that childhood and the precedence your dad set before you got to other mentors, such as your high school coach, I think it was Larry Cox and on to obviously Nick Saban and where you are now. Can you kind of, you know, dwell on that a little bit more of, you know, the the importance of that consistent discipline and how you, you know, what it would end up, you know, made you be able to overcome an ACL injury your senior year of high school against your rival and still go to on to Alabama. Talk about a little bit of that adversity that you faced as a kid and then in high school and uh, what your dad, you know, more in depth of what he meant to you. Yeah. So I also have a younger brother um, who went on to play football at the Naval Academy and is now deployed in the Marine Corps as an officer. And so, 
you know, you kind of look at, you know, one son went to the, you know, the NFL, still playing, you know, one became an officer in the Marine Corps. So there's obviously, you know, a certain level of, you know, discipline. And I think that organized sports is probably the best way to do that. I mean, you look at today's, you know, world, I mean, there's just so much craziness going on. And I think that football, and I don't want to make this about football because it's a lot more, you know, on both sides than just sports. But, you know, we were always playing sports as a kid. And, uh, you know, our, our parents never forced us to go one way or the other. You know, that we they signed us up for soccer. They signed us up for baseball, basketball, you name it. We played it all. Um, but I think that, that that rigidness of that sport, you know, and, and you have to work at it. You know, there's a certain craft to it. Um, it also applies to just, you know, how, how we saw our parents go to work every day. And, you know, my parents both worked all the way through, you know, until I was in college. I mean, my dad didn't retire until four years ago. So, you know, they obviously made sacrifices that I look back on now that were so key to us growing up. Um, you know, we we certainly, you know, they, they pushed us to, to do well in school every single day. But as I watched them, and it's, 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 it's weird as you get old you reflect on these things and, and kind of how they shape you as a person. But as I watch them get ready for work every day and, and do endless, you know, things for us that um, sacrifice, you know, to, to make us to the next level uh, and get us to where we wanted to go in life. Um, just the, just the character and the hard work. I mean, it, those are two just hard principles to do. Uh, I mean, over and over and repetitive every single day, but I think that they showed us um, the resiliency that my brother and I, you know, both have now and, you know, it's obviously said that, uh, you know, being thrown to the fire and obviously the circumstances and situations, you know, things are going to come up. But, you know, how you deal with those, I think that's probably what I took away from my parents both uh, is just the sacrifice they made and, and how consistent they were in, in raising us. And then when you tour, because I know if I remember correctly, Lakota West is the Thunderbirds, right? And then the rival is the Thunderhawks, right? Is that right? Did I get that right? Fire, Firebirds and Thunderhawks. There we go. Firebirds and Thunderhawks. Thunderhawks, yeah. See, we're close. We're, close. we're, we're, we're debating. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, big rival game, right? And uh, the Battle of Lakota. And you tear your ACL. You miss the Under Armour All-American game. And then uh, going to Alabama, obviously predominant program in the country, how were you able to overcome that uh, and get to Alabama and then obviously be a three-year starter? Can you kind of walk us through that adverse point in your football career and then how you, you know, got down to uh, Tuscaloosa and, and then had your success? Yeah, so um, last game of my senior season, we're beating East, I think, by a pretty good margin. So this is going to be my last series. Running a zone play, basically hyperextended my knee. And when I did it, I mean, I was I was going full speed. And so – um, I blew out my ACL and my LCL and, uh, you know, ACL, ACL, you know, if you've talked to a majority of NFL people, I mean, they've either had a scare or torn it or know someone who's torn it. So it's, you know, not uncommon, but when you're 17 years old and you don't have injuries, I mean, in high school, you don't see the injuries you have now, you know, and that's, that's a scary thing. And so I think that, uh, you know, I don't know if Zach's listening, but his, you know, his grandpa, Bob Odom was an offensive line coach at the time. He knew, um, Dr. Kremchek from his days at Moeller. And so I have, I mean, I have an incredible amount of gratitude towards those guys because they got me in to see Kremchek right away. And he was like, look, you're going to need surgery. I mean, I couldn't walk on it. I couldn't do anything. And this is the time I was already committed to Alabama. I hadn't signed yet. Um, and obviously, you know, you hear nowadays about guys, you know, a guy who gets hurt in his senior season and certain teams, just, they don't, they don't want to have that, you know, they don't want to deal with the rehabilitation. And so I have so much, you know, gratitude towards, uh, Lakota West and all the guys, the team docs who got me back, you know, and, and going under the knife for the first time. I mean, just, you know, seeing my parents' fear, you know, and they try not to project it onto me because they want to be strong for me. But I think as I look back on it now, I was so young that I was just listening to the rehabilitation guys. I, I, I had surgery in the beginning of November and I got cleared the end of May. So I was right at six months. Wow. And, you know, that's it, it's hard to do now as people get older and, you know, you just, so I can't say I was in the most physical shape, but I just did everything that they told me to do. Um, but, you know, long story short, Alabama kept my offer. Uh, they said, you know, hey, we made a commitment to you, you made a commitment to us just because you had this injury. We understand, you know, we're hoping that by the time you get here, it'll be fine. And it ultimately was. But, you know, those those rehabilitation days, man, they were tough. I mean, you know, being 17 years old, your senior year in high school, uh, I remember crutching around in the snow and I tried to slip and fall, you know, and I had these, you know, this, I mean, I had, I think I had over 40 stitches in my leg. I mean, they're still there to this day, but, you know, I had a cadaver ACL. My ACL was pretty much put 
totally back together. And so I was going to rehabilitation three days a week. And uh, when you're doing that, you know, at 17, all you want to do is hang out with your friends. But, you know, I guess I didn't even realize the opportunity that I had to go you know, to the next level. And so I just, I just did what they told me to do, man. And that's uh, at a young age. I mean, that's probably the best advice I can give. You know, those guys are, I totally trust those guys. And I am so gracious that they, uh, you know, pushed me to, to the next, next level. How were you able to, when you, so you leave Cincinnati, you have a torn ACL, you're going off to college far away from home to an unknown, going to be a freshman, so many unknowns with being injured. How were you able to really overcome that phase of it and getting back on track, knowing that, hey, I'm probably going to sit out my freshman year? Or can you just kind of talk through how you were able to get through that next phase of leaving to go to college and be so far away from home? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, So I had to be there the end of May. I think it was May 30th which is my birthday. So every year I had to drive back down on my birthday, which was always in a nightmare after having a total summer off. But anyways, I was down there for a week. And at this point I had been cleared for my knee. I felt okay, but I was out of shape. I mean, I was really out of shape because I just, I've been doing rehab. I haven't been doing cardio lifting and there's a difference between high school lifting and college lifting. And any freshman that comes in is going to feel that unless you're, you know, coming like you're Derrick Henry and you're already just so swole. It doesn't matter. So (laughs) I was a 275 pound fat kid from the Midwest. who came off a knee injury and I'm getting ready to go run at three o'clock every day in the hundred degree heat with hundred percent humidity. So I can't tell you that I was a hundred percent and that I wasn't thinking about quitting because I was, I mean, the first, the first week there I'm running around the field and I'm dying, man. You know, and I'm like, man, I'm, I'm away from my, I'm away from home. All my buddies are hanging out all summer and I'm down here going to class, sweating it out. And truly, this is why I love Alabama is because the support team they put around you. It wasn't just like, hey, you know, we're going to move you into your dorm and, and we'll see you at the complex every day. I mean, it was a it was a consistent, you know, um, team effort when it comes to academic people and it comes to advisors, when it comes to, you know, just having good coaches, having good players in the locker room. I, I, mean, I couldn't have done it without my roommates that I had there. and so. It's it's kind of kind of like the military thing. When you're all in the suck together, you know you can get through it because there's nothing that that guy's doing that I can't do, and vice versa. So um, that's just part of growing up, though. I mean, you're, when you're 17, man, you're wet behind the ears. You don't know anything. So I think being young and then having such a standard of excellence that I wanted to get to um, was was just a huge huge factor in me just growing up really quickly. And you talk about the standard of excellence, and Alabama football is the epitome of that, right? I think any organization and to relate this to even business, right, is looking to how we sustain excellence, right? How do we sustain a high um, positive outcome and Alabama football? And I don't really I mean, I watch all the shows and try to see it, but I would love to hear from you being in the program and being such a prominent player inside that program. What makes, you know, Alabama, you know, consistently successful that maybe someone today listening could translate that into their life? I would say I, I'm a believer that no matter who you are, no matter what you do, routine is such a huge thing for me. You know, it's why it's hard right now in the NFL is because if I was in college right now, man, all my day would be structured. I'd have class from eight to ten, be going to lift after that, then moving on to practice, right? And then everything's scheduled. So when I got to the NFL, I'm just kind of jumping ahead and I'll come back. But when I got to the NFL, it's it's hard, man, because a lot of the times you're on your own. So it's it's all the discipline you learned those first five years you have to carry over. So I would say having a routine. I mean, in in that program at Alabama, every minute is detailed. So there's not, you know, as soon as you wake up, the time you go to bed, there's a detail. There's a there's a routine. There's a schedule for everything. So when you're when you're dealing with 17, 18 year olds, and even as you get older, I think you there's certain aspects of your life that you have to maintain, you know, in a certain sequence, to, you know, to, to have a productive day. And that's all we did there. We just had productive days on top of productive days, and there was always a clear message, right? So. You know, it's just the same way a boss comes in to, you know, speak to the entire company. You know, we had that every single day. And that's why I think Saban sets himself apart from so many other coaches is that every single day he came in, there was a message. Then it wasn't just, hey, this is what we want to do today. This is what we're going to, you know, here's how we're going to do this, this, this. It was a a motivating factor behind that as well. And I think when you're dealing with 17, 18 year olds, you know, college kids, you have to have that. You know, to a certain extent, you're growing these guys from, from young boys into men. And so you can look at all the turnover that Nick's had. And, and, you know, I look back now and the coaches that I have are four or five coaches removed. So I don't even know who's there anymore. 
but I know that there's a certain level of excellence in that program. And when I got there in 2011, you know, they were coming off national championship in 2009. They had a kind of a rough year in 10. So you have a rough year, 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 year there where by me, by rough, I mean, you don't go to the national championship and you don't win. That next year is going to be hell. So, like, for me, I got thrown to the fire. It was miserable. Um, and I think that that was – it set the tone from day one of what this program is going to be like and, and the, the standard that we're going to hold every single player to. And everybody in that organization felt that. I mean, it was the, the detail-oriented – uh, program there. I've never seen anything like that before and, and, you know, potentially never will, but every, there was never a stone unturned. There was never a detail not covered. And that's why you look at some of the big games. I remember 2014, we were playing at LSU. We go down, we go down, uh, we send it in overtime, but before that, in the fourth quarter, we have to go for a two minute drive from our 20 yard line to tie it up. And we've executed two minutes flawlessly. I'm like, you know, everyone's like, why'd you do that? I'm like, we do this every Thursday. I mean, we get so bored with it, but at, at the same time, like that's, that's the level of detail that, you know, he puts into his work and pushes onto us so that when the big games come, we're going to be ready. And so that's what I would say is just, you know, how detail oriented can you be? And, and, and to my knowledge, I've never seen anything like that before. So and that's key. You know, I mean, I think that's a knowledge nugget that anyone can take away is consistency, attention, to detail, providing a clear message, but also providing, you know, new and innovative, like you said, day by day was a new day. And I always, you always wonder, right. And I'm fascinated with being a learning leader and how do people sustain excellence? I think that's, we're always chasing that, right. You're always chasing that ghost of how, how can you sustain a championship level caliber life, you know, business sports, and that's so great. And there's might not be anyone, like you said, anyone better than Nick Saban, right? So from a college football perspective, you know, arguably people say he's the GOAT and 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 rightfully so. So um He definitely yeah, is. It definitely is all it's great to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Pr- appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I was I had one more point. Um, and that was, you know, it and I saw it too as I got older, my fifth year was different than when I was a freshman. You once you get to a certain level of success, you know, that people come in expecting that to be a reality, but every single day you have to reinvent yourself in that organization. So where I was 2011, we had three national championships by the time I left that next class that comes in, that's what they're expected to do. Right. And so it's also about how can I, you know, the, the, the teams that were in 07, 08, 09, Nick Saban's first couple of years there, they paved the way for the guys that saw all the, you know, all the success in 2011, 2012, because they had to go and set the standard for the next line, right? And so that's that's the hard part about I feel about su- sustaining success is once you have success, it's just like hey, you know, you you're you come into a life of, of a billionaire, right? Like there's it's easy to be relaxed, it's easy to you know not want to push and, and go do bigger things with yourself. Um, and so that's always been the challenge. I think that's even harder, you know, than you know, it, hey, if you go a season four and you know eight, yeah, it's easy to potentially go and, and you know win six seven games, but to do it consistently to win championships, it takes an incredible character in that locker room. I think that's a big part and probably the biggest part of all the success that you can, you know, take in any in any aspect of life. And that's so and I'm I'm hijacking Man. this. You're out of the you're out of the conversation. You guys go me, ahead. And you, me and you, Ryan, you're out of here. I'll be back. But, <laughs> okay, but what I wanna say, and I and I know we can we can we can keep progressing it, but you know, and I and I, I talk about this all the time. I was like, oh, you know, you walk, you know, three feet in snow to school, you know, all the sayings of cause I started the company here. It was a back corner of a mall plaza with not a lot of resources. And then where we are now, like you said, you have we have all the bells and whistles. We have this, 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 and that. So it's hard to, like you said, I think that's a great point to 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 make sure to, you know, sit on for a second is that, you know, the the past and like you said, the the, the people that paved the way that set you up for that success are some of the unsung unsung, not heroes, but you know, great uh, foundational players that might have, you know, created that environment and that culture, but didn't maybe win a national championship. But then, you know, and that's what we kind of talk about here in the in a business world of, you know, what we do today might impact us, you know, obviously three years from now. So I think that's just so important. It's it's paying it forward. It's sometimes the actions today, it's for others and you're pulling people up. And once again, why is Alabama and folks like Ryan Kelly successful is because they've created that environment and culture and paying it forward is important. Like leaving a tradition and a legacy is, is great. So thank you for sharing that as well. Well, my question, you're allowed to, you're allowed to talk now. My question is, <laughs> Ryan, um, no, so you guys both really just touched on it. 
when did you so playing the center position you don't get a lot of the pub you don't get a lot of the credit from the average fan you know it's the quarterback typically but for those who don't understand what your position consists of of you're making so many calls for the pass game and run game protection you are essentially the quarterback and the game doesn't ha the offense doesn't happen without you so my question is when did you realize that you were ready to take on that challenge and take on that leadership role with all of the success that was happening and, and, and just kind of being thrown in the fire? That's, that's a uh, phenomenal question. So I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, in high school, I played guard tackle, uh, started at guard, played tackle. And then my, my junior year, halfway through, Zach Scrapple, uh, Bob Odom, moved me to center. He said, I'm going to move you to center. He's like, if you want to have a, a potential at, you know, making this, doing this job for a living, playing center is going to be your best bet. He's like, a lot of people can play offensive line. Not a lot of people can snap and step at the same time. And at the time I didn't think anything of it. I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll go play center. That's fine by me, you know? And so at high school level, you don't understand what it takes. You know, you're the hours you put in are not, you know, nearly as much as you're going to put in college and, and the game's not very fast. So fast forward to college, I had two great mentors. I think that any any aspect of your life, business, no matter what it is, uh, mentors are so are so you know incredibly important. And so, my first when I first got there was a William Vallejos, undersized center, um, but he was twenty three. I was seventeen. So just sitting in a meeting room with him and hearing you know how he thinks of football, how he thinks of schemes, how he projects his voice to be heard, um, you know in those years are so important because you're growing, man. You're like, you're, you know, I, I can see who I want to be. And then I had Barrett Jones, who was an incredibly smart player and, and a versatile player at that as well. And so sitting behind those two guys, you know, people are, are always saying, you know, when I go to college, I want to play right away. And look, Alabama never promised me that. They never told me I was going to play right away. They said I could work my way to have a chance to go play. And that's, I, if I would have gone in there day one, I don't think I would be where I am now because I needed those years to develop and become the person I am. And, so I never played in any position besides center, but I learned through great coaching, through great players, how to be assertive, you know, and, and as a 17 year old shy kid in a, an incredible national championship program, I don't think I could have gone out there and done that, you know, without being thrown at the fire. And I still was when I got my chance two years later. So, you know, the center position is, is really, um, it's, it's my, I mean, I love it. It's, it's the only thing I've ever known when it comes to playing football. And so, I guess it, say you're, um, you know, say you're an employee at a company and you're going into a sales pitch and you, a guy comes up there not very confident. You know, they want they want you to buy the money. Shark Tank. You go up there and you're not, you know, you, you know, you, you don't have your plan together. You're not assertive in your voice. You know, who wants to follow you? Who wants to buy your company? And so you can be. If I'm assertive and I don't know what I'm talking about, but mm -hmm. I, I'm making you think I do. Like that. That's there's something said to that. So I had to. A, know the offense like the back of my hand, which took, you know, years of learning and, and learning scheme and not just memorizing things, but, you know, learning what's the point of this, what's the objective of this. And, you know, you, you can apply it to anything. You can apply it to school no matter what. Um, but also just being assertive. I mean, if, if – and it still applies to my daily job now. I mean, if if there's two guys talking, you know, Philip Rivers and I are talking, and there's, you know, there's nine other guys who are listening. If I go out there and, and we're the night before the game and they're quizzing me and I'm just rolling off, I know the game plan in the back of my hand, that gives everybody around me confidence and, and that I know what I'm doing. We're going to get this offense in the best situation to be successful on Sunday. And ultimately, you know, that can be such a carrier in, in leadership and, and also throughout the game to win games that I think it's, it's a very big part that's very underlooked um, when it comes to any aspect of your life is just – how confident can you be? You know, if there's people around you that are relying on you to do your job and not just, you know, at, at your job, I mean, at, at barking out orders, you know, it's barking, you know, um, confidence, man. I mean, that, that's really what it takes. And it took me five years to develop that. Yeah. And, and not only they, they call you, your head coach calls you an alpha dog with the Colts. So I think you've done just that to say the least. And I think, you know, a lot of people and, and there's a quote here that's saying, you know, obviously uh, two-time pro pro bowl or pro all pro guard, excuse me, Quentin Nelson uh, is definitely an inspirational leader, but don't underestimate the leadership that Ryan is bringing. Uh, he's an alpha dog. So you hear that consistent, you know, presence you have. So, and, and by the way, the Colts offensive line, once again, doing the research, like I said, I knew you guys were good. You're the, be I think it's the best. <laughs> like, I don't know who, what other offensive line and, and 
I was looking through a, a decent amount of them. I'm looking at the whole offensive line. I'm like, holy cow. So you're the leader. You're the alpha of one of the best, if not the best offensive line in the NFL and the best in the world. You know, that's a lot of ownership, right? Do you feel, you know, playing in huge games at Alabama, now now the starting center and the leader of the Colts, how do you deal with the mental side of in-game pressure situations? Um, you know, talk us kind of through some of those high-pressure situations that you've, you've faced and that you're going to face. Yeah, that's, that's one thing that I've learned um, in college that's carried me over now is, you know, when you're playing at LSU at nighttime and it's November and there's 110 drunk screaming fans of you, you know, the communication might have to be hand signals or, you know, and you have to, you have to make adjustments on the run. And so, you know, people always said, you know, like, how do you, how do you deal with the stress and all that? Like, look, that was without even knowing it, how many times I repped things in college made it like it was second nature to me. Like, it, and Nick Saban said this, and I'll never forget it. He said, don't do something until you get it right. Do it until you can't get it wrong. And like, and to me, that was so powerful. I was, you know, and you know, when you're hearing quotes every single day, I mean, there's only so much you can write down before you're like, I, I get it. You know, it's all the same stuff, but when you put it into action, um, that's really what it comes down to. I mean, if, if I don't, if I'm not confident in what we're doing and I have any hesitation, you're going to see it on Sunday. So that's where I come back to the routine and the rigorous, you know, schedule that we have is, you know, if, if it comes down to Thursday or Friday, I have the game plan mastered. If there's certain, you know, certain plays here and there where I might have to critique it and that there's a level of sportsmanship and just kind of craftiness you have to develop as you play the game for so long uh, to make minute adjustments, you know, not have the defensive tackle, you know, know exactly what I'm going to do, you know, change it up, things like that. And that's kind of where this is, this is my career. This is my craft this is what I, I work for. But um, there's a level of preparation that goes into it that I, I believe you can be over-prepared um, and where you're just talking about it too much that you just get deaf to it. You have to let your players play. But in college, man, I mean, we never, I never felt going into a game that we couldn't win or that we didn't have the best, you know, um, game plan to go in there and win. And so I think having that, those two aspects uh, have made my success, you know, so much easier. It's just, you know, mastering those small things. So you have, uh, you've mentioned, you just alluded to his name earlier, Philip Rivers, uh, NFL veteran quarterback. Who, who's that? Philip Rivers. Oh, okay. Philip right, I never Rivers. heard of him. I don't know what yeah, you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you know, he came in with my old teammate been way back when, Mr. Roethlisberger. <laughs> so, um, but being a, you know, you're, you know, what, four or five years in the NFL, you're 26 years old, um, you're seen as a core guy, as we just talked about, and a leader on the team, and you bring in Phillip Rivers, who's a veteran guy. How do you go about working with gentlemen, guys, gentlemen, guys who are older than you, who are leaders, you know, for someone who may be a, in, a, in a young leadership role, like my, like my partner here, and being able to, to manage and coach, you know, people who are older, because I know those are conversations he's had with, with other um, colleagues of ours. Can you kind of touch on how you've been able to approach that from, you know, from your perspective? Well, it's, it's, it really comes down to it being a two-way street. I mean, I, it's, not, it's not Phillip's world, and I'm just living in it. I mean, he, he deserves a lot of credit, too. And I've only had, I mean, I told you before, we do Zoom calls, you know, two hours a day for a couple times a week. And so in the little interaction that I've had with him there and then a few you know, phone calls on the side, um, I think it's easy as you get older to be stuck in your own ways. You know, this is how I've always done it. This is how I prefer to do it. Philip came in um, to an offense that is relatively familiar with him. I mean, uh, our offense coordinator and head coach were with him in San Diego for a couple of years. And so he knows, you know, and you don't play 18 years in the league without being a savant when it comes to offense. So, you know, offense, you know, defense, but, he came in open-minded to what we're doing, you know, and, and I think that that's such a, that's such a big factor is look, I've been running this offense for two years now um, with Andrew Luck, with Jacoby Brissett. So, you know, we, we've been in the mix, you know, we were able to talk the same football. And so for a guy like him to come in at, you know, I think he's 38 or, you know, going to be 38 um, this year to come in and, ha and to be able to change his game, to take certain aspects of what we do, in certain aspects of what has made him so successful and blend those two together to hopefully produce the best, you know, winning solution you know, team we can put out there on Sundays is so big. And so, you know, I don't want to just talk about football. I think there's certain aspects you can carry over a lot from both sides, from business and football. But in my opinion, um, you know, 
I think that we respect each other that we got to this certain level. You know, like the, it's very rare, and you know the, the odds are against you to even make it this far in the league, let alone even make it to the league. And so, um, you just—I think we both realize that there's a, there's a relationship that we have to build, and that you know, in order for our team to go forward, if we're together and we're you know we ha- we're speaking the same football, everybody around is going to elevate ourselves as well. So, um, you know, he's 38, I'm be 27 at the end of this week, and so in those numbers, you think it's a big, you know, um, you know, big adjustment, you know, huge, huge gap of numbers, but in football terms, I think we're on, you know, we're on pretty similar t- you know, pages. We can both learn from each other. And I think that having an open mind and, and that's, what's so great about, you know, team sports is that you're going to meet people from all different walks of life, but they're there for the same reason that you are is that, you know, build the success and build, you know, the team. And, and it ultimately starts with the head coach. I mean, if, if he didn't have a clear, concise message, to push on us, I don't know if we could be, you know, working in a relationship the way that we are. And so I think that, you know, it, it's hard. I mean, being a young guy, it's tough, man. I mean, it's um, especially when, you know, uh, I came in at 23 years old to a, a room full of late 20, early 30s. But those guys knew I had a responsibility to do. And so they knew my role. They knew my job. And so I had to go earn their trust. And that's why I tell all the rookies is like, when you first get here, I don't want like, – I don't want to hear how loud you are. I want to see what you can do on the field. If you're working, if you're putting your head down, and that's that's the leadership role that I kind of developed in college. And it wasn't until I got to the NFL or late in college that I developed a more of a, a vocal leadership role. And that's kind of I just learned that by you know trial and tribulation. So, in a long story short, I guess it takes both sides, man. I mean, you have to be open minded, and I know it's hard, especially I'm. You can ask me another five years if I'm still playing. You know, if if I'm super open to a new quarterback style of how he wants me to snap the ball or something, you know, if, if he wants me to do it a different way, you know, he has been doing this way for the last 10 years and it's worked, but um, there's always something new. And I think that staying on the power curve of that side uh, is it, just, it's going to elevate, you know, both sides um, and lift you up. I think that's important. Like you said, just, you know, using actions over words. I think so many people I see in the business world, they come in and they say, I'm going to do this, 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 and that. And then what they back up, it's like the people that speak the loudest, a lot of times I've seen, at least in the business world, just have the the worst (laughs) follow-up in in the action. It's like, come on, like go out and prove yourself. Like you said, like the actions speak louder than words. Everyone can talk. Can you walk? So I think that's, that's great to hear that that's on every level and in sports and business and in everything. That's another, I don't mean to cut you off. That's another, I just thought of it now. It's another, we call them Satanisms because he just had so many of them. And yeah, drop it. Would love yeah, it. Yeah. He reads a ton of books. He hears a lot of things. But uh, the one thing he said was, uh, what you do speaks so loudly that I can't hear what you're saying. And that was, like, for me, that was everything. Because at any level, at any thing that you're involved with, you're going to see people who talk one way and do the actions a different way. And that's why at 17, I didn't know anything about leadership, but I knew I didn't want to be that. So. I That's love all it. we do with that. I love it. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. keep drawing out the Sabinisms. That was my goal. So no, just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think the one thing though that that Philip Rivers could do is probably you and your fiance Emma, I believe her name is, could probably teach you how to have some kids because my man, I think, has like a eight or nine. Not, like how many does he have? Nine. 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 Holy cow! <laughs> He's done it too. I have two. We don't even know if we're having three. And I'm like, I, I, I remember reading that. I'm like, how does he even do Zoom calls? Man, he must have, he has to have like a, a locked in padded room because there's probably kids flying around his house. And Yeah, man. A lot of help, I'm sure. And that's why, you know, women, women, uh, had every great man, there's a strong woman. So I'm sure I haven't met her yet, but you know, it's gotta be, it's gotta be the same for him. You know, you don't get that far without having an incredible wife and a lot of help. So no doubt it takes the, a village. I say the same thing every day. <laughs> um, speaking of that, let's touch upon a little bit, you know, the whole, the whole culture of, uh, or the whole person of Ryan Kelly, just r- congratulations, just got, uh, engaged, uh, recently. So that's really exciting news. Um, saw in the backyard on your deck and had a lot of support, but, um, talking about how important that support is, can you talk about Emma and then your dog, Jake, I believe, right? Big, big, oh, Jake, yeah. big, big little Jake. Correct. <laughs> little jake man five uh five pounds all five pounds and how big are you so, uh six four and then dependent six anywhere from 305 to 310 somewhere in that range so yeah i got i got him not weighed for sure but <laughs> i tell you what man uh for such a small little guy man he, he's he runs the house for sure to let you know it so it's uh it's emma jake and then it's me so i come third on the house list but you know that's um it's it, uh, it We've been we've been together now for three years, and uh, I certainly believe it's elevated my play. You know, it's elevated 
you know, my ability to come home and, and relieve football. I mean, when, when you're in the season and you're getting up at, you know, 6 a.m. and you're coming home at 7 p.m., I mean, dude, 13-hour days will wear on you, you know, every single day. And so, you know, I believe it's, it's, it's incredible to have a support system. Obviously, you know, having her and Jake home when I get to come home, and even if I've had a bad day, a good day, no matter what, and she works full time too, so it's just it's awesome to be able to you know spread your life and and have experiences with somebody else. You know, the first person I look for after the game is her and my family. So awesome in that regard. And then being and I couldn't have lucked out any better that I you know, got drafted in Indianapolis. This is where I wanted to go. You know, we we'd heard rumors when I was getting ready to get drafted that I was going to be either in Indianapolis, Washington with the Redskins, um, Houston. Seattle or Arizona and I was like I mean it I just it looked it worked out so well because um and this is another character thing and then how driven my parents were my brother played football at the Naval Academy which is like a nine-hour drive from Cincinnati and I played football at Alabama so that was another nine hours from Cincinnati so there was many weeks where my dad would go see my brother and my mom would come see me and they drove each way you know and so wow. you know they would get they would leave work Thursday night drive to Louisville drive the rest of the way Friday, get in at, you know, late afternoon and then go to the game Saturday. You know, it could be a one o'clock game. We played a lot of night games. You know, we were good and we were on TV a lot. So played a lot of night games. We'd be, you know, we'd be out till one, two in the morning, just hanging out, you know, just catching up with them. And then they turn around Sunday, drive back, go to work Monday. And so watching that, you know, as a 20, as a 23 year old looking back on it, I mean, just the, the sacrifice that they made every single weekend to go make sure that they're at one of our games um, is incredible. And so now to have the ability to be in Indianapolis where it's two hours away and, and have Emma there, have my, my family there, have her family there. Uh, that's really what makes all of it worthwhile. I mean, it's, I love the guys, you know, one, one day when I walk away from football, I'm going to miss the game uh, a little bit. You know, I'm not going to miss training camp. I'm not going to miss certain practices, but I'll miss the guys. Um, but, you know, truly so many memories that, this game has brought me in opportunities um, and to be, to be able to share that with my family and the support, you know, team is, is, is ultimately the best part of the game. And the great thing it is, I mean, shoot, football does not define you. We've learned that just this episode, come, come run the job center and manage him. Cause he needs a lot more output. And I already heard your yeah. sales pitch and <laughs> that confidence is his right yeah. there. So it is, um, man. And that's, you know, and, and I was able to walk away, you know, and that's another thing, red shirting, man. I, I was able to walk away with a master's degree, I wouldn't have been able to do that if I, you know, didn't redshirt. And so um, it just, I just feel like I met in people always like, you know, is was saving a stickler, you know, was he for lack of better words, an asshole. I'm like, no, I mean, was he the guy that I could walk into his office, plop down the couch and tell him about my life problems? No, it was, uh, it was more of a business. And if, if you asked, if he asked you to do something and you did it the right way and you consistently were that guy, um, and you just, you just, you were there every day and put out like he got the most out of me. And I felt like I got the most out of him. And that was, that was the best thing that could have happened to me. You know, I maximized, I felt like what I had in five years and, you know, it, it's sad to say that a lot of guys just don't have that mentality um, or don't have that foresight. And so I think that that's another thing is there's, there's guys that I saw go to college who man came from nothing, you know, just not a pot to piss in and they walked away with two degrees, national championships. If they went to go play, it was, you know, the next level. Awesome. But a lot of guys didn't and they, they made the most out of their careers. And so that's what I think that, you know, the mentality wise, it, it just, it, it blew my mind. It blows my mind to this day thinking about it. It's just how, how much of an impact one leader can have on a certain person, you know, throughout the rest of their life. I, I don't know who said it, and I know we, we'll, we'll get the rapid fire here in a second, but I don't remember who said it uh, not too long ago, but someone said that one of the greatest qualities about Nick Saban was they said he would be able to go out and run any business in America and do it successfully because of the way he runs his program. And just hearing you say that speaks to that truth there. So, I mean, I 100% believe in, in the proof is in the pudding with him being one of the yeah. – Arguably the top yeah, you best coach you, ever. If, if he was running the job center, you wouldn't be here. One thousand percent. Running circles around him. You can see, hey, Listen. Ryan, he's a wide receiver, right? And you can yeah. you can tell that how he got all all sour earlier that me and you were having the majority <laughs> of the conversation. Yeah. If Tip, I if I send receiver damn exactly, thank you, amen. Damn quarterbacks and centers. There you guys go. And he was texting me the other day. I took a shot of uh, 
us with the podcast thing in the background and he was cut Ryan, out. Ryan, he cut and, me out right here so he could show a picture of himself. I said, you know what? Okay. All right. All right. I remember that. I'll so, remember that. I'll remember, I'll remember that. that. <laughs> well, with that said, I think it, we, at the end of every episode, Ryan, we go uh, do a little rapid fire, have a little bit of fun. And I don't right. think they're, they're two hot questions, but uh, we'll see what we got. Calvin, why don't you sh- right. start off here? Who has a better ring? Your fiance or you with the national championship ring? Fiance, man. <laughs> it, it, it definitely costs a lot more than what those rings are worth, man. I remember my freshman year, after my freshman year, we got the rings. I got them back to Ohio and I got them insured, you know, so I wanted to make sure that if something happened to them, I got them, right? And I was bringing it to the insurance person. And I only had it for a couple months and the, the paint was chipping off of it. And I go, what the? All that work, man. These rings aren't worth crap. So definitely hers. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you well, shoot. I, I heard in an interview you had to send it out to Montana or something because you had you had to get some special fitting or there's. Yeah, some- man. So all the the places they had the diamond, but they didn't have the cat like the, they, didn't, they, they couldn't pour the actual set. So they sent it to Montana because Montana at the time was the only state that wasn't completely shut down when it come when it came to uh corona so i said hey whatever it takes man you get that thing back here as soon as possible and they did an incredible job so i look at it all the time man <laughs> that's great man can't wait to see pictures of your guys wedding i'm sure it's gonna be fantastic oh, yeah. when are you planning on uh speaking of that when's your, when's the date have you set one yeah uh may 1st 2021 it's in Cincinnati. so okay black and decker local we're gonna crash that thing you never hey if you see two guys <laughs> in black shirts rolling in don't have security right. kick us out, even though you probably don't have security because hey, you know we're not messing with him. Yeah, we're, we're, we'll leave you alone. I'll be at the bar. Yeah, at the bar. Yeah, we'll just be at the after party. Um, what's so you talked about routine, and this is kind of Calvin's question. So, but I, I love it. I've I've came to adopt it as such an critical piece. What is your morning routine right now with all the obviously the change of pace and everything's different? What what how are you keeping that consistency? It's harder now than it ever has been because at least I know if we're in the complex right now, we're going there every day. Okay, I got to be here by a certain time. That's what I got to get up for. Now it's it's more of a mental challenge. Okay, I can still sleep in till nine, work out, you know, and then get my my day started and I'll be fine. Um, so I wake up every morning. First thing I do, make a pot of coffee, you know, and you know, have a few coffees. I mean, I'm, I you don't get through November, December in the NFL without. You know, cups of coffee in the morning. So Love I do it. that. I have breakfast. You know, hang out with the fiance and the dog, and then I pretty much get right into it, man. I start working out, and it's nice because you can you can vary the tempo of your workout right now. You know, I, I just I know I have to be on the Zoom call by a certain time, but that routine, man, is it, so important for me. When I get out of that, I just I feel lost, you know. And so that's that's my routine right now. And read in the morning sometimes, and um, just try to better you know better one aspect of my life. That's great. It's awesome. Love that you're reading. What's the last book or what's, what's a book you're working on now? Uh, I'm, I'm reading the liberator right now, but I, I just finished, uh, it's called, um, frozen in time. I'm not, I, I do, I do the motivational book sometimes, you know, um, they're just, sometimes they get a little old for me, repetitive, but I, I'm a big, you know, war history guy. And so frozen in time, yeah, check it out. If it, it's an incredible, incredible story about, guys who were trapped in Greenland um, in World War II, and essentially they had rescue efforts to try to get them for 10, 15 years, and they end up giving up hope because uh, it was too dangerous, and they go back in 2012 and go get these guys who have been preserved, but uh, you know their, their families, their mothers, they never got to saw, you know, see their sons get brought home. Um, just you know, a, kind of a heart-wrenching story, but uh, I, I, mean, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, we'll have to definitely check that out. That's awesome. Great recommendation. Got a couple of books I'll recommend to you too. Uh, can't think of them right now, but they're they're along those same lines. So, yeah. Um, how long do you see yourself playing in the NFL? You know, I know your buddy Andrew. You know, he called it quits early. Obviously, injury and other guys. You know, Calvin Johnson hung him up early. Do you see this? Do you want to be a Tom Brady, or do you want to? You know, you have a master's degree, and do you want to kind of take on that next phase of life sooner than later? That's a daily struggle, man. Um, you know, I. I played Adam Vinatieri, you know, for four years. And so to see that guy play 23 seasons um, at 45 years old is, is incredible. Um, but I think relatively recently you've seen guys walking away. Um, and it's always, you know, why this guy walk away? You know, we, we thought he was going to play 12 years. But look, man, I mean, <laughs> people leave companies all the time because they want to go do other things. You know, like if you make, you make your money, you make, you make enough money to a certain point where you don't need to work the rest of your life. Go do something you love. I mean, I love football. 
but I'm not going to keep playing. You know, when I'm 35 years old, my knees are killing me. You know, there's, there's certain aspects of my life that I want to go do and enjoy um, in the fall, you know I mean? And so I don't know, you know, there's a, there's a certain number that I want to get to, uh, you know, if I could play until I'm 30, you know, 30, early thirties, that'd be, that'd be great. Um, set myself up for future in life. And that's obviously is important. You know, it is to be, I put so much work into it. I want to be able to enjoy things outside of football. And so, you know, I still talk to Andrew, you know, a decent amount. And, uh, you know, people are like, I'm, you know, I'm sure he's I'm sure he's just itching to get back. I'm like, no, man, the, the guy did incredible things when he left football. You know, he had so much fun. And so I think that there's so much, there's so much sacrifice on both ends, family and your side that, you know, when you get to a certain point, you know, and uh, I think it's, it's obviously, it's obviously every player's uh, idea and ideal world is to, to walk away from the game when you want to and not be able to told hey, you can't play no, anymore and, or nobody wants you. And so I think just knowing that um, and every guy's different. I mean, some guys want to play 20 years, some guys don't. I mean, I play with Frank Gore and he's still playing. He's a running back and this is like his 16th year in the league. And so, I mean, you tell me that guy loves football. I think everybody, to a certain extent, loves this game. You know, you, you wouldn't be here and you wouldn't go through the sacrifice you have to make to get to it. Uh, there's just certain things guys want to do in the rest of their lives. Sure. Yeah, it's in yeah, everyone. Like I said, everyone's easy to judge, be judgmental, right? But it really, it's each different stro- strokes for different folks, right, as they say. So that's that's definitely – uh, What what is uh secondary question to that? What is Mr. Luck doing these days? Where is he living? Is he in West Virginia somewhere? Is he – what's he doing? Uh, California? Man, I, I can't. I can't tell you that. Undisclosed. All right. He had a kid. He's had a daughter. She's beautiful. Uh, they got married. And so I think that, you know, I'm sure that probably takes up majority of his time, but, uh, he's just enjoying know, I, life. He is man. You know, and it's, it's hard. I mean, no matter where you're going to go, people are going to recognize you, but that's why it's good to be an offensive lineman, man. People, well, once, <laughs> once I get done playing, lose all this weight, people will just think I'm a normal guy. So it's, it's incredible how I've been watching a lot of the offensive linemen and how fast they scale down afterwards. And it's like, wow. Yeah. It's incredible. We had a guy. No, I mean, life of a three hundred pounder, man. It's not not a whole lot of fun when you don't get, when you don't get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, that's facts right there. Last question. We'll go ahead and wrap it up. What's the plans for the birthday? We're doing uh, we're doing a little party. I mean, just obviously Corona, man. Just kind of kind of taking a crap on everything, but I like to keep it low key, man. It's just kind of the offensive line lifestyle. We just you know have a have a cornhole tournament, have a few beers, hang out with each other, catch up. And that's, that's ideally, you know, my favorite, my favorite weekend right there. So, you know, we're, we're a brotherhood, you know, uh, us five guys, we, we, we work so closely together. We work every single day together that, you know, we truly enjoy, you know, being each other's company. And that's an incredible thing to have, you know, when you're in college and you're a part of 120 guys, you can choose who your friends are. When you get drafted in the NFL, like those are going to be your friends. And so you better like them. And it just give incredible, Incredible kudos to our head coach and our GM and our owner for, you know, really turning my first two years, which we had a good room, uh, but we weren't very good, to having an elite room uh, with elite character guys. And so, you know, having great friends like that in Indianapolis, man, it just makes working every single day that much better. Yeah. Actually, one, one more. We, we, did you play with uh, McAfee, Pat McAfee? I did. I played one yeah. year. What it seems like him and Vinatieri had to be like just unbelievably to play with because I listened to some of his podcasts yeah. and Vinatieri's <laughs> been on a decent amount. I'm like, man, because you would have yeah. been like a rookie then, right? You've been early on. That was my rookie year. Yeah, Pat walked away after that, uh, after my rookie year. And so, you know, being a being a kid, real wet behind the ears, coming in to camp. Uh, you know, they they make you stand up and say your name. And, and Pat, you know, being the punter, you know, not having a huge responsibility and a huge physically demanding day. Not that punting's not hard, but, you know, we didn't punt, we didn't punt every day in camp, but we're out there grinding every day in camp. So at nighttime was kind of Pat's thing. You know, he, him and Chuck had a good thing worked out where Pat was going to run, you know, the, the social aspects of it. And that's how you really build a team, build camaraderie and uh, have a good time, you know, when, when you're stuck in camp. And so Pat was always the, the hype man. He's always a funny guy. And so. I had a lot of laughs from Pat, but he, of course he made, you know, he made every rookie get up there. And it's rookie tradition year, you know, throughout the league is that you get up, you say your name, your school, um, and what your signing bonus was. And so no matter, you could, you could say your signing bonus was $2,000 and people would go, woo, you know, like I mean, the whole room gets a rough. So when I had to say mine being a first rounder, I mean, I mean, Pat was just losing it. And then you have to sing a song too. You have to sing a song. 
And, uh, and so, man, it was, it was funny. So it's funny to, to see Pat now and the success he's having. That's, you know, look, Pat walked away from, I can't remember what the number was, but I mean, he still had a couple million dollars on his contract. People are like, you know, you're crazy walking away, going to work for Barstool. But I think he found what he truly wanted to do the rest of his life and like loved it and felt, you know, that he was in a good position financially that he didn't need to work anymore. And so uh, I think he's having more fun now than he ever did playing football. Yeah. Well, amen, man. Love, uh, love everything you're doing and keep inspiring. And, and we're, uh, we're in the Indianapolis community as well. So it's great to have, you know, professional awesome. athletes and in, in your industry of, of great character and leadership. And I know you're doing big things in the community back here in Cincinnati over in Indianapolis. With that said, how do people uh, engage? I know you're on Twitter, I believe, but is there any other ways to engage with Ryan Kelly? Yeah, I mean Twitter, Instagram. I mean, I uh, I come out of Cincinnati, you know, pretty regularly, and then do starting to do some more things with charity. Um, right now, you know, I'm really uh, growing up in a law enforcement background. Um, I started doing, uh, I started being a guest speaker at. Uh, it's a foundation called Concerns of Police Survivors. So uh, families who lost loved ones in the line of duty, um, they have a, an event every year in, in Indiana. And so I get involved with those people. Um, and then we're trying to get another camp going uh, up in Westchester. So my Twitter is kind of where I, I do those things at. You know, uh, Instagram is more for personal stuff. But um, try to get back to the community, man. I, I mean, I love Cincinnati. I think in the Midwest is an incredible place to raise kids and and to, uh, you know, to have, to have a great time and to uh, – you know, just get back. So get back as much as possible, but you know, Twitter, Ryan underscore Kelly 70, hit me up and, uh, just appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, no, it's been a privilege. So, and, uh, black, do you have any last words since I cut you off earlier? Do you want to end with anything that's <laughs> going to be, just be mind blowing? If we go back to 2009, I'd offer you a scholarship and you could have came right for St. Joe, man. But Hey, I think Wait, it all oh, works St. out. Joe's, huh? Yeah. St. Yeah. Joe. Yep. Yeah, little D two oh, out in man. the middle of nowhere. Well, that's, <laughs> I'll leave you with this was I, uh, this is just kind of full circle was I didn't start high school with a great uh, GPA, man. I was, I, I wasn't applying myself. I didn't, I was trying to memorize stuff, learn concepts. You know, what I learned 10 years later was not the way to go. Um, but I remember I was getting recruited and I had a, a few small offers and my coach was like, Hey, West or Wake Forest is in. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. I want, he's like, I want to introduce you to Wake Forest is you know, recruiter. And so about 20 minutes goes by and he goes, he goes, ah, we're not talking about, we're not going to talk to Wake Forest today. And I was like, why? And he was like, they basically just saw your GPA and said no. And so now looking back on it, like how important uh, an education was, and I'm glad that I was able to pull it up enough and, you know, walk away with two degrees you know, later, but I had to go the long road. And so that's one of the things that I just talked to Larry Cox and did, a, I was, I jumped on their Zoom call in Talawanda. And that was my biggest, you know, aspect of those kids was, you know, it, I think it's 1% of high school players play in the NFL. You know, maybe it's not 1%, maybe it's less than that. But, you know, everybody can, you know, do great things with a degree. And so that's probably my, my biggest learning curve was, you know, how to how to be better at school and how to get education and just to you know, be a better, well-rounded, you know, student. And so that was uh, – if, if there's any kids listening right now, you know, that, that's probably my biggest message is, you know, how much that degree takes you further than football ever will, just playing the odds. Yeah. Self-awareness. Great way to end it. And, uh, Ryan, thank you so much. You're, uh, doing great things and can't wait to see what you keep doing moving forward. All right, guys. I appreciate you having me on, man. You guys have a uh, great rest of the week. All right. All right, man. You do Thanks, the same. Brother. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to the underdog podcast. Please subscribe and rate our podcast on the Apple and Google podcast apps and send our Twitter handle, a screenshot of your rating at underdog pod with your shirt size for a chance to win a free t-shirt. See you next week on the UDP.